Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. And I think there's kind of three different you know, categories. We can talk about syndication, joint venturing, or just buying small deals on your own. And I think that's where, you know, you as a passive investor have to kind of decide what, what do you feel comfortable with? Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to Ritter on Real Estate, the show where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, we've got a special guest, a man named Dave Childers. Dave is the managing member of Cedar Rock Capital based in Nashville, Tennessee. Mr. Childers has over 15 years of experience in real estate investing and multifamily housing. Dave has had transactions that are in the hundreds of millions. Dave has worked as a property manager, asset manager, and multifamily broker, coach, and speaker. And in 2011, Dave saw a need for a brokerage firm that focused on small multifamily properties and investors. In the years since, Dave has built residential investment advisors into a successful brokerage firm. Dave has brokered over 400 plus small multifamily properties in Middle Tennessee, Northern Alabama, and Southern Kentucky. In 2017, Matt Moore took over the day-to-day selling while Dave began to focus solely on large investments. So Dave, thank you so much for being here today. Very excited to have you with your wide breadth of experience. I think it'll be um, really educational for our listeners today. So so thanks for being here. Man, thanks for having me, Kent. This is this is exciting. I I, I like your your subject matter. Being a, a passive investor on these podcasts, I, you know, they start to kind of run together unless you have a subject like this. So I, I really appreciate you putting this podcast together and focusing on you know this part of the of the business. So, Dave, with all your experience, you know, as an investor, as, as a coach, as a broker, as a property manager, in all these different ways. You know, as folks are looking to make an investment in real estate or let's say specifically to make an investment in multifamily as a passive investor, what are the things that they should start the process and looking at? Where should they begin? You know, that's why I love this business because I really think you can make it as passive as you want it, right? You know, we have all types of people that have approached us about putting money in deals or buying deals like you referred to before I own a brokerage firm. So, you know, I have clients that want to come buy their own properties. You know, some want to be super involved. Some want to put money in Cedar Rock Capital and and buy something with me and just be completely hands off. 
And so that's, I think, the beautiful thing about how we do multifamily and how, you know, we can structure every deal different and really your involvement is up to you, right? And how involved you want to be. So I hope, I just want to, you know, start there by saying that, but really, I mean, you know, you can, you can be active. I, I've got people that have put money in deals and, and they actually want to be more active than just a passive investment. But I think you have to vet your, your syndicator, your, your sponsor, your operating partner, whatever kind of makes you feel comfortable. I've got guys that don't want to put money in big syndications, but they want to partner with me one-on-one and do more joint venturing. And that's a one way to do it. So does that answer what you're asking? Yeah, it starts to, my question really was what, as people start to evaluate a deal, right? There's so many deals out there. They start to evaluate and they start to evaluate investing with someone else specifically. What should they start with looking at? I mean, I think that forget about the deal, figure out who you're working with, right? I mean, not to be you know rude, but somebody that's putting $50,000 in one of my deals, I honestly don't care how he underwrites it to be matter of fact, right? I know more about that than he does. So he needs to worry about more of who I am and my experience and my character, I think, than actually the investment, right? Yeah. So it starts with the sponsor, right? It really starts with the sponsor. You've got to understand the integrity of the sponsor, the track record of the sponsor. You know, as you're bringing folks into your deals, you said you partnered with, with folks in a lot of ways. I mean, how do, how have you seen folks effectively understand that about a sponsor? How, how do investors figure that out? You know, how many times I've been around the block? I mean, a lot of the investors find us through either the brokerage firm or through our meetups and, and it doesn't happen overnight, right? I mean, you have to build your credibility with these people, you know? And so I think, you know, starting to go to meetups, find out who the players are, find out who those guys are who have been successful and been doing it a lot. I always see a, a huge strength in sponsors that actually have experience on site. And what I mean by that is for me, I started off when I brought my first 100 unit complex. I was the manager. I was the maintenance guy. I was everything. And not saying that you have to have that experience to be successful, but that gives me a lot of confidence in in knowing how to run these deals. And I think it gives the people that are putting money in my deals, knowing that I have that kind of firsthand experience on the operational side, it gives them a lot of comfort to know that I actually know where you know the rubber meets the road in the business, right? And mostly going through times like we're going through. I mean, we're going through this coronavirus thing right now. How are you going to react? What are some of the steps you're going to put in place to to protect the asset and and move forward past this? When those things kind of don't happen and it's the glory time, everybody can be successful. It's these hard times and the experience of these syndicators and sponsors of how they've gotten through these hard times. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious um, because you've done large deals, you've done small deals, right? You've you've kind of done everything in between, it seems. So from a return standpoint, I guess how have returns differed as you look at smaller multifamily, larger multifamily? I mean, where have you seen people have ha- had the most success? Man, it, that's the crazy thing about this business is I mean, everybody wants to probably put these big syndications together. I just had a guy on my my Zoom call last week. He's got thirty five hundred doors. He's syndicated. You know, he's working on another portfolio. And he started with me as a brokerage client buying duplexes. And we constantly talk about this. You know, he he made a ton of money on these duplexes. And, and this is glory days. This is you know everybody wishes those days would come back. Where you know here in Nashville we got East Nashville, hip you know hip place to be. 
And I was selling him 60, $70,000 duplexes where he was making 30, 40% return on his cash. And, and we laugh about it now, right? But then we talked about him putting these syndications together where he's buying these 1,000, 1,200 unit portfolios together and putting them together and, you know, refinancing and all that, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. And, and so we kind of talked about some of those pros and cons. So it just depends on what kind of business you want to build. If you're like, hey, I just want to put my own equity in deals and own them outright and not answer to, you know, equity investors and 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 stuff like that, then then you can build that business and you can be super successful. You know, and I and I think there's kind of three different you know, categories. We can talk about syndication, joint venturing, or just buying small deals on your own. And I think that's where, you know, you as a passive investor have to kind of decide what do you feel comfortable with? Maybe it's just partnering up with a local guy and putting money in 20 duplexes and doing it that way and keeping it mom and pop, you'll make money. Or, you know, joint venturing with somebody to buy a 50 unit or a 60 unit or an 80 unit doing something similar. Or do you want to put your money in some kind of, you know, large syndication? And so as a passive investor, I think you 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 need to kind of vet those different options and kind of see where you're comfortable with. And so that's what we kind of do with with clients you know, through the funnel I have here in Middle Tennessee is, you know, do you want to buy something? We'd happily sell you a, you know, 20, 30 unit apartment complex through our brokerage firm, or do I need to refer you to a larger brokerage firm? Or do you just want to put money in Cedar Rock and we can go buy, you know, a 40 unit together? So that's kind of, I think, as a passive investor where I would start. And then again, just going to meetups, going to different clubs, figuring out who owns what, you know, who the players are, who the guys are actively buying deals and then back to, you know, then vetting them by their track records, past experience. You know, I know I've had, I've met with billionaire families and the first thing they want to see is they want to come out to one of my assets, walk the asset, know about me, take me out to lunch and get to know me and, and kind of, again, the past experience. So from a billionaire family that has private, you know, private office money here in Nashville, that was kind of the experience I, I came up with, you know, so, so we're, we're trying to implement that for people who want to put money in Cedar Rock, right? Open our doors and say, hey, if you're thinking about doing this, come visit us. You know, we're putting on different events to try to, you know, encourage that on the front end. Sure. So you mentioned something, you mentioned the, these three paths to investing, right? You do it on your own. You could join venture. You could go in a large syndication. Right. So I think it'd be interesting to pull that thread a little further. Can you, can you talk about the pros and cons of each one from an investor standpoint? Yeah. I mean, I think on the smaller properties, you know, I mean, we could get into a thousand different subjects, smaller properties, different type of financing, different type of management and structure. You're probably going to be more hands-on. So if you're, you know, if you want that completely passive investment, you know, the smaller stuff, but let me take it. So my story begins with me buying six duplexes back in 2000 five, six with two other guys from California. And so same thing. They, they just want to put their money to work. They were willing to give me equity to do the management, asset management, everything. They were in California. I'm here in Nashville. Everything was my responsibility. So a lot of the properties they have never set foot on all the accounting, everything was done. So you could, you know, that, that would be one road. And then a joint venturing again, I've got partners I've bought, you know, 50, 60 unit complexes with, they've never been on site you know, it's completely passive for them. But again, then the pros of the financing. Now we're getting into Freddie and Fannie non-recourse financing. And then large syndications, you know, obviously you've got great, great financing options. 
you know, you can put $50,000 in, $100,000 in a deal and be involved in that larger transaction. That's probably the, the most passive investment you can make, right? If you're just putting, and then let's talk about, you know, you can talk about REITs, right? Buying stock in a REIT and it's even past the syndication model most people use. Gotcha. That's a good point too, thinking about the REIT model and something that's truly passive and, and a little more liquid as well. So what about from, from a risk standpoint? I mean, how, how does the risk change, you know, maybe going in, you know, you're investing in a couple of duplexes versus invest, you know, joint venture with maybe it's a smaller multifamily syndication, a larger multifamily. How does the risk profile change for the investor? Well, again, back to financing, we can talk about the, the non-recourse recourse loans. Are you going to have to put, you know, if you're joint venturing with somebody, depending on their amount of equity, you know, your equity split, they might have to go on that bank loan, you know, with you because they own a certain majority of it versus, you know, if you put 50 or $100,000 into a, to a syndication, you know, that's really what you're risking, right? You're not risking any credit or, you know, any other, you, you know, your 50 or $100,000 is what you have at risk, where I buy a 50 unit with somebody and I need their name, which we don't now, but you know, in the past we've had to have their name on the loan. So now they're, they're at risk for the loan and their equity. Right. But at the same point, if something went wrong with me or, or for some reason I screwed up, I think it'd be easier for them to step in. Right. And so that would be the pro and con to that. Where on a syndication, you know, my fifty thousand dollars at risk, and the sponsor messes up, you know, that's a hard, you know, way for me to step in and take over. And then on the duplex or, or smaller stuff, again, I think it's kind of similar to that joint venturing. On, you know, is your name going to have to be on the bank loan? Are you, you know, guaranteeing debt with your personal? You know, what assets are you putting at risk by buying those small ones? you know, not only your capital, but now signing on a loan. So, so again, I think you really just have to judge what you're comfortable with, you know, and what you're wanting to get out of it. I've found that a lot of people now that passively invest with me want to learn the business. So they don't want to put their money in a syndication and never see it again or never see the asset. They actually want to use putting their money in to get the education. So that's something we're trying to kind of bring together is, come in on this deal, put money in it, and you know you can follow me around to, to a certain extent and be involved in it and gain that experience or gain that knowledge and not, they don't really want that passive income or passive investment as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting. I mean, that was, that was really my path to become an active investor was to begin passively investing, use that opportunity to learn the business, right? And to see how, how operators work and, and get a behind the kind of get behind the curtain, if you will, and, and understand how the deals are put together. So, I mean, I think it's, it's a very smart way to, to begin your investing career. I guess it worked out for me. But to that aspect, how are you, as you're bringing those folks in and educating those folks, I mean, what, what are the things that, that you're doing for the passive investors? And what kind of things are you talking about with them? You know, what type of things are you focusing education on? You know, give me a little sense of what it looks and feels like. Well, let me let me talk about when I started this brokerage firm, you know, we always told people we were kind of between a residential agent, and a commercial agent. There was kind of this void area, right, where there really wasn't anybody focusing on that two to 50 units. And, and what I figured out, this is back in 2011, I had a couple hundred units. I needed a day job. So I started the brokerage firm. So I kind of went backwards into the business. And so what I figured out is 
if those investors are successful, if I sell them a duplex or a 20 unit complex, they were going to come back and buy more and more from me. So I had a vested interest in them being successful. So I started figuring out like, man, if I can get them a great property management or, you know, great insurance agent, or just be there to answer questions, kind of the, if I was in your shoes, Dave Ramsey always answers questions like, you know, if I was in your boat or, you know, what this is what I would do. So I've just always kind of had an open door policy, open cell phone policy to clients. Hey, let me help you be successful because if you're successful, and these are passive people. These are my clientele were six and seven figure incomers that are looking for something other than the stock market or 401ks. They wanted, they wanted some of it in real estate. And so, you know, I kind of become a trusted advisor for them. I mean, there's people that are attorneys and CPAs and, you know, I'm a high school or college dropout. You know, I'm not, I'm not formally educated on this stuff. I've learned it from doing it and they're trusting me to help them make wise real estate investments. And so I just kind of always had this, like, I've got to be, they've got to be successful because if they're successful, they're going to keep buying me. And now, you know, we fast forward 10 years and 500 multifamily property sales. And those people, seven, eight years are still my clients, still my friends. I'm helping them build large portfolios now. Like I referred to Nick, you know, he's moved up in the world from buying duplexes to buying, you know, 1200 unit portfolios, you know, around the Southeast and is a very well-known name. Again, if you build those relationships with people, but on the education side, you know, some of it, you got to go to, you know, listen to podcasts like this. Is that where we were talking about education? I kind of got on a rant there. Really what I, what I wanted to focus on was for the investors that are investing with you. Yeah. You know, how are you educating? You mentioned you were educating them, you know, and I wanted to understand what you were focusing on and, and how you're doing that, what the program looks like. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any set in stone program. Again, I think that's kind of back to my open door policy. You know, if you're investing in me, I'm, I'm more than willing to show you and welcome you to come see what we're doing. I, I, like I said, before we started this podcast, I don't have a huge portfolio. I have a couple hundred units. I'm very comfortable with that. You know, I've got a handful of inv- uh, clients. Some, you know, where I mean, I, my, my largest asset, I own, you know, 50% with one other guy. He hasn't been on site for, you know, 10 years on that property. And so if he ever, you know, for instance, if he ever wanted to, to be more involved or, or know the business, obviously we have that open door policy, but we're starting to do more capital raise and saying, hey, if you want to learn it as we go, I'm completely open to that. I've had a few properties we've had to kind of back out because of this whole coronavirus, but, you know, we were, we were, do, we were starting to roll that out a little bit more, come walk units with us during the inspection, you know, see how we're going to hire this management company and how we're going to asset manage it and kind of all, all the plans going forward. Gotcha. Okay. I think you have a unique perspective, as you said, kind of in that the the smaller the smaller units where your brokerage focuses. I mean, how have you seen returns differ from the two to fifty, as you said, uh, versus the, those larger deals that, that a lot of folks are looking at from a syndication standpoint? I'd say the biggest thing that I notice is the difference is the cash flow that that these individuals make from these smaller properties, and, and they're not kind of focused on that you know, sell in five years and make a return that way. They're living on cash flow. You know, we've always been cash flow buyers and sellers and brokers and not, you know, the market's just going to keep going up and cap rates are going to come down and interest rates. And, you know, in five years, we're going to sell it for three times what we paid for it. We've always kind of focused on cash flow. So I think that's the biggest thing is I think 
more cash flow driven properties on the smaller and not, you know, thinking about that, you know, sell in five years or, re, you know, whatever to, to make our return. So that's, I'd say more of the difference between the larger syndications I've seen and the smaller properties on, on the return basis. So you're seeing better cash on cash returns on the smaller properties than on the, than on the larger, the larger you're seeing more focus on appreciation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause that's what, you know, as syndicators, I mean, that's, you know, there's always that, like, do we not do improvements and we have more cash flow, right. That we can spread out to our investors or are we putting reinvesting that capital back in the property to drive the value. Right. Are we, you know, so it's every year during budgeting talks, that's what we're discussing. How much cash flow do we want to pull out? And then how much do we want to put back in the property to drive the value, right? You know, an example I always give people is, you know, we made that change to, you know, my, my property management said, hey, I think if we put block appliances in, you know, we're going to drive the rent $50 a unit, but it's going to cost you $1,100 a unit. So I had to decide how much in one year I wanted to dedicate to take out of my cash flow to make that improvement but then knowing that doing that was going to drive my value on that one asset by a million dollars, right? So yeah, I love to have that paper equity and that property worth a million dollars more, but I don't know if I want to give up $110,000 in cash flow this year to make that happen. So those are kind of the conversations. That's why I think when you're passively investing, you need to be in the same space and same headspace as as the sponsor. So when I'm raising capital, I'm looking for like-minded people, right? Obviously, they have to vet me, but I'm vetting them just as much as they're vetting me. So it goes back and forth. I've turned people down that, you know, in Nashville, we got a lot of music business people. And, you know, I've had to say, you know, to some of them, I don't, I don't really want to take your money because I'm not going to get it back to you in six months, right? So I think that vetting process goes both ways. And I think talking about the returns and, and plans and, and what are you going to do in the future? Are you long-term buy and hold guys? You know, do you want to own this asset in 10 years or are we selling it in three? Again, that vetting goes back and forth between both parties. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point to bring up, uh, you know, and discuss with, with the sponsor that you're looking at, right? Is what type of return is their focus? Is it cash flow? Is it long-term appreciation, right? Because those, those are very different strategies. And then in understanding that, you know, you as a passive investor need to be educated enough to understand what does that mean for the deal and how they're going to operate the deal. And then make sure that as they're operating, that, that they're following that plan, right? If, if we say up front that, you know, we're going to be largely focused on, on, on cash flow and we're going to provide certain cash flow returns, but then you see, um, you know, if you see massive CapEx expenses going in, then that's going to counter to, to what they've said at the beginning. So I think understanding how the deal should, should look and feel as well and the things that they're doing and how that ties with the discussions you've had about the type of returns that they're focused on. But no, I, I think that's a really good point on the difference between the cash flow investing ver versus focusing more on appreciation. Well, and the beautiful thing about this business is you can have all of that. You can do you can do one deal where you're, you know, I, I've got a little 14 unit downtown Nashville I bought years ago. And I haven't cash flowed that property in five or six years, but I've driven the value by like, you know, I don't even know, a thousand percent, right? I mean, it's it's worth two million dollars more than what I've got in it five years later on a little half million dollar investment, right? So I can have that. Then I can have my cash flow property over here. And then this one I can, so, you know, you can have all these things. They don't have to always fit the same model. And so you can partner if you've got that person that's like, Hey, I'm cash flow. Okay. Well, when I get a cash flow property, you're going to be the next on my mind and we're going to buy this. But then I got somebody that says, Hey, look, 
I, I want to be passive. I want you to drive value. I don't care about seeing any return for five years. You know, you can do all these different things. You can do a syndication. You can do, you know, I was on the, uh, talking to, to a very, very well-known syndicator the other day and we're like, a deal's a deal. You know, if it's across the street and it's a duplex and it's easy, I would buy that versus, you know, at the same time of putting a syndication together. So again, you don't have to follow the same path every investment. Right. And that's a really good point, right? And I think that's one of the benefits of being a passive investor is the ability to create a portfolio of these different types of deals, right? Different sponsors, different focuses, you know, large multifamilies, smaller down to duplexes. And you can really create, uh, again, a diversified portfolio to give you the return, the return profile that you're looking for, right? But you can have a mixture of cash, mixture of appreciation and and ultimately, that that can be a, a safer, uh, safer on a risk-adjusted basis than than just going all in, in 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 one type of asset, for example. Yeah, I mean, you talk about diversification right there. You know, I mean, I mean, it's you can put money in my deal, you can put your money in your deal, you can put you know in some of these other guys we were talking about before the call. I mean, in different markets, right? Not all in Nashville, not all in Indy. You can do some in Atlanta. You know, and talk about di- diversifying your 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 portfolio, and then and then again, you know, if you're smart enough, you can get in the minds of people like me and, and other syndicators and and learn in the same process and educate yourself and, and then, you know, sit back in a couple of years and go, man, I really like doing more of that or this or, you know, whatever. So, um, so yeah, there's a thousand different ways to do this. So again, I think it's really getting comfortable. You know, when I started this brokerage firm, I was a finance major when I dropped out of college. So I do have a little bit of education on this, but like I want all people to always be able to lay their head down at night and not worry about their investment. Right. If I was going to sell them a duplex and they were going to worry about it, it didn't make sense. So I, I kind of had to find and get in their head of what they felt comfortable with doing. So I think you've got to kind of look at different options and then and then be comfortable with whatever you're getting yourself into that you're not going to lose sleep over it, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's a great point. That's something we've talked about previously on the show is, is it really starts with knowing yourself as an investor, right? And being very clear on your goals, what you're trying to achieve. Is it cash flow to, to live the day to day? Is it appreciation because you're, you're focused on on building long term wealth? You know what are your goals and and what are what's your risk tolerance? And and based on that, what type of investment should you be making? And and, and what are you comfortable making? I think is really important. You have to start by knowing yourself as the investor, and then coming back to the beginning of the show as Dave was talking about. Then you start to say, okay, which sponsors align with me and my goals, right? Yeah. And then you then you yeah. get into the markets. And then you get into the deals, but it really starts with knowing yourself, what are your goals? And then I think understanding your sponsor. So yeah, that, I think and, that's and it, and it all works. I mean, I've seen, you know, I have a family locally here in town. I know they got a thousand units. They've owned them for 20 or 30 years. You know, they don't take cash flow from those properties. They're just, you know, every year they're just dumping all the money back in the property. And then every couple of years, every five years, they're refinancing, pulling large amounts of equity out, paying everybody. So again, you know, like you said, you just got to find that sponsor that aligns with what you want to do and what your goals are and what you're comfortable with. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat, right? So it's important to use that term because now supposedly it's it's not politically correct. So, but yes, oh, well. that's that's a great. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. I I laugh at stuff like that, but yeah, you're exactly right. There's a thousand different ways to do this, you know, and and hopefully, you know, as you meet with brokers or or sponsors, they're going to ask you these questions, and these are the kind of conversations that you and I are having that you should be having with 
sponsors or brokers or anybody in this space, you know, property managers, you know, find a deal that you might like, or that looks like a good deal, find out who owns it, maybe talk to the management company and say, Hey, I want to sponsor, you know, I've seen what you've done with that property. That's the kind of asset I want to get into or do what you're doing. Cause I've, I've liked to see what you've done at that property. You know, there's, again, there's a thousand different ways, find out who the players are in your market and just take them to lunch, you know, go to their meetups like we have, get on Zoom calls. You know, I tell people when I started this business, you know, we had to, there was one guy kind of teaching this. I won't mention his name, but you know, we spent thousands of dollars going to conferences, had to buy books of CDs and listen to them and pay thousands of dollars. And now, you know, we're lucky to have Zoom calls and meetup groups and, you know, guys like you putting great podcasts together that are, you know, readily available, just, you know, driving down the road, listening to them. So, you know, I always thank guys that put podcasts together because I know how much time and effort you guys put into these things. So I appreciate you doing that. I appreciate that. And, and, but I think, I think the point is that, that there's so many sources of education. There's no excuse not to get educated. And, and before you make your first investment, spend the time getting educated and doing all the things that, that we just talked about. And Dave, it's been amazing having you on today. You've had so much knowledge and such a unique perspective in, in all that you've done. Uh, the last thing I'd like to do with you bef- before I let you go is we've got a segment at the show called Our Keys to Success. And okay. I'd like to, like to ask you a few questions. All right, let me see if I can answer these. <laughs> so what's the most important question a passive investor should ask the sponsor? If you only had one question. Tell me about yourself. Again, I think it comes down to to working with good people. So I want to know about you. I want to know your, you know, uh, if you tell me, if I just sit down and let you tell me your story in an hour, I'm going to know a lot about you and just let you talk. So just, you know, let the sponsor talk, ask them about themselves. And I would say that's probably the biggest thing. No, that's a great answer. And what's been your best investment? Oh man, again, back to that conversation, you know, it depends, right? I mean, are we talking cash flow? Or are we talking about, I, you know, I've got a, a 115 unit complex in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I've owned it for years now, 13 years. You know, it's, you talk about passive, it's as passive as they come. You know, it's, it's paid me very, very well, you know, cash flow, refinancing. So it's, it's probably by far, but then I, you know, this is a great, I don't want to take too much more time, but you know, no, go ahead. Is owning something on your own, right? I mean, I have smaller stuff that I own a hundred percent of that I've made almost as much money a 14 unit versus my 114 that I've had to split with somebody. So there's a lot of pros to doing bigger with partners, but then man, you can hit some home runs with these smaller properties that can set you up for life that are hundred percent. I don't have to answer to anybody. I control the deal. So, you know, there, there's pros and cons. So I, I could say both of those deals, you know, just depending on what day you catch me on. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And what are you most proud of? Man, I love helping people in this business and, and the brokerage firm, people are always like, man, why do you keep the brokerage? You know, there's been times I've thought about shutting it down and putting my time and effort into just Cedar Rock and just raising capital and doing bigger deals. And why you screw around with selling people duplexes and helping people? I love this business. and I love what it's done for me, man. I moved to Nashville with like $8,000 in my pocket, was a road manager making $1,300 a month and had become a multi, multi-millionaire from doing real estate. And man, I, so I, and, and so many people vested in and gave me their knowledge, right? And, and took time to teach me this business. I feel an obligation to teach people the business. So that's why I really don't want to do coaching, but I want to teach people how to become financially independent through this. You know, I'm just turned 40 this year. And honestly, I could retire and be done. 
but I love this business. I don't ever see myself retiring because I, I want to teach the next generation. I want to teach that 25 year old kid that I was with not a dime in my pocket to learn this business and, and, and not to be greedy and not to own jets, but to have that financial independence where you can have freedoms to do things that you want to do. Cool. Very cool. What book should everyone read? Okay. So Jake and Gino, I don't think the podcast has come out, but I don't read books. I'm kind of like that ADHD. I'd read like three pages and then have to go back two pages to start. So, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I buy that <laughs> book for everybody. I make them read it. I've paid my nieces to read it. You know, I, I, I love that book. I mean, that was, I was a finance major, like I said, and my father-in-law gave me that book and it was a life changer. So, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Millionaire Next Door, you know, understanding that, you know, not all of us millionaires drive crazy cars and, you know, don't want jets. So just understanding the millionaire mindset, anything that you can just, you know, for me, that, that was a game changer, understanding how wealthy people actually live. So those are my, my plugs. I haven't, seriously, I have not read a book in years. I listen to a lot of Audible, but it's more in chunks here and there. But again, it, my mind is kind of always thinking and distracted. So it's really hard for me to focus. So I don't really do a lot of reading. You know, I've learned from being hands-on, like we've talked about managing properties and cleaning and following people around and talking and having lunches with people. I mean, that's my thing is I never eat alone. I'm always trying to eat with either my staff, a client, somebody, and just having those conversations. That's how I learned. So Jake and Gino and I were talking about this, like figure out how you learn, right? I was a D student in high school I'm not smart when it comes to, you know, the, my wife got A's and B's in college and I barely got through the classes I did enroll in. That's fair enough. Those are two good recommendations still. And then last yeah, question. <laughs> so what's your number one key to success? For me, I've been self-employed my entire life. So I've never had a real day job. So I've had to like, you know, I, I get up, I go, I have an office here in Nashville. I live about 30 minutes away. You know, I go to my office, I do work. And that's, I think that's one of the things that has made me successful is that everybody's kind of experienced this with coronavirus. They don't have anywhere to be. And you know, I hear all these like, get up, take your shower. So, so having a routine for myself to, to work, but also not being so stuck in that routine that, you know, it's not an, I don't, I've never worked a nine to five, right? I still work at nine o'clock some nights and I still work. I was just at, uh, at the beach last week and I'm on my computer on the phone. So I think being flexible, but then also having that schedule has been my key to success uh, and just plugging away. I see so many people who just give up so soon and they, you know, they kind of want what I have now, but it's been like, man, this is 15 years of blood, sweat and tears. And, and you're not going to achieve that same thing in, in one night. And one of my, my, one of my investors, partners, he built a multi-million dollar business. And I remember when we first started out super stressed out and I called him and I said, man, I don't know if I can take this. And he was like, man, let me give you a reality check. Do you think I built this multi-million dollar business without some stress or a lot of stress? And that was just a wake up call. It comes with the territory. So that's my biggest thing is, you know, you got to put the work in. Right. And, and I think that's, that's one of the biggest takeaways or people think about when they want to decide if you want to be a passive investor or an active investor, right, is the stress and the work that comes with, with doing it yourself, right? And can you limit that by investing passively and, and relying on other people and, and relying on their stress and, and their worry, right, to be able to do that? Well, so I think it's yeah, a big consideration. You know, if you, if you, you know, for me, my brokerage firm has been my day job, right? That's why I tell people I'm a passive investor, essentially, right? My brokerage firm has been what pays my, I mean, that's my day job. And I've had this 
multifamily $30 million portfolio cooking on the side as a passive investment for years. You know, I dedicate a few hours or my money and capital and knowledge into it. But my day job, you know, I've kept my day job and that's been the brokerage firm. Now this year, I'm kind of getting out of the brokerage firm and just I'm able to live off my passive investment. So you got to kind of, you know, figure out what that is. What What is that you know, side hustle that you can be putting your money, you know, what do you have that you can leverage, right? And if you've got a great paying job, what you're leveraging is, you know, live on less than you make and be putting putting cash into deals like this. So it can be cooked, you know, generating revenue as you sleep and all those kinds of things. Yeah, that's great advice. So Dave, how can folks get a hold of you if they want to learn more about Cedar Rock or your story? Yeah, so you can go Cedar Rock Cap, just one word, cedarrockcap.com. Find me there. Find me on LinkedIn. I've got a Facebook page. I put a lot of content and I always give my cell phone number away. And I'm, I'm surprised that people, I have a few people every time call me, but it's funny how many people locally that we get um, that contact me. So my, my cell number is 615, area code 479-8737. You know, call me, leave me a voicemail, text me. I'd love to get it, you know, mostly if you're in Middle Tennessee, love to get it, you know, in contact with you, let you know kind of the, the events that we hold, the meetup, the coaching, the brokerage firm, Cedar Rock, what deals we're working on and just network with you guys. Awesome. Well, thanks, Dave. It's been such a pleasure having you and uh, brought some great knowledge today. Fellow investors out there, before I let you go, I want to make you aware of a a special offer that we're doing to celebrate the launch of the podcast. You know, I've partnered with seven of the industry's top thought leaders, including Joe Farrellis, Gino Barbaro, Dan Hanford, Hunter Thompson, John Kasman, Kim Lisa Taylor, and Vinny Smile Chopra to offer an exclusive content package for those that subscribe in the month of May. So all you have to do is go and subscribe to the podcast and send me a screenshot to the email address info at ritteronrealestate.com. And I'll send you that content package uh, that includes all this great content from seven thought leaders. So go out and, and do that today. Don't miss your opportunity to get that before the end of the month of May. And with that, Dave, again, thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, I hope. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.